Hey everyone, you're listening to Canned Heat. On this show, we highlight makers and entrepreneurs in the vintage clothing world. I'm Michael Slater, a content creator and vintage reseller here in Fort Worth, Texas. In case you missed it, I recently took a few weeks off from producing this show to spend some time with my family. I was planning on recording a few episodes during that time, but COVID had other plans as it so often does, and unfortunately I had to move some things around. The good news is that we are back to a somewhat regular schedule now, and I've got several fascinating episodes in the works, today's included. For this conversation, I traveled a few minutes down the road to Hearst, Texas, where my friend Lauren has an amazing brick and mortar called Deep Dive Vintage. Lauren found fast success as a fairly early adopter of the resale app Depop and parlayed her online reputation into opening a physical storefront in 2020. While the curation of her shop spans from the 1950s to the 2000s, she really has an eye for true vintage and works hard to run an inclusive shop focused on meeting the needs of each customer. We get into all of this and more on this episode, so enjoy my conversation with Lauren of Deep Dive Vintage. So I became familiar with you several years ago. I remember I would be browsing Depop and I would see an item that had like the location tag of <laughs> the city that I live in. Yeah. And I would think, wow, like there's someone else in my town <laughs> that's selling vintage. And then we vended next to each other at a small event in our area and you were so cool and kind and very easy to talk to. (laughs) So it's an honor to have you on the podcast. So tell me, how did you find your way into this business? Um, I did start on Depop. So I actually just started reselling like part-time. I wasn't specifically into vintage at that point, but kind of as I picked up on what was selling more, as I leaned into doing it more full-time and everything, I kind of picked up like vintage was a little bit more popular. So as my business grew, like my niche kind of became more like 90s, 80s, 70s. And just my admiration for it kind of came along as I grew, expanded a little bit more online and kept going until I ended up with a storefront. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you started pretty young, right? Yeah. I think you told me you were 19. 19. So had you just graduated high school and then you kind of started um, thrifting and selling? Yeah. So I was supposed to go to college. Uh, you know, every kid is, but <laughs> that didn't really work out for me. It didn't really, wasn't really my thing. So like you said, you've got your own, your own storefront, your own business. So <laughs> it did work out. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually recording this in your uh, storefront, which is oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk more about the store later, but kind of going back, how were you able to grow on Depop? So once I kind of figured out what was selling most for me, kind of kind of looked into getting my inventory for cheaper and what was selling best so I could make the most profit off of it. And once you get able to sell the most items, Depop kind of starts pushing you a little bit more. They promote their top sellers a lot, like on the Explore page and stuff like that. So once I had like the items that were selling best for me, making me the most money, then Depop kind of stepped in and starts promoting you once you kind of have like a niche 
So I was able to get um, a little bit more popular from, you know, the blue check mark and that stuff that doesn't really matter, but matters on the internet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think you kind of had the advantage of being a little bit early on, you know, yeah. um, so you're kind of there in the beginning. And like you said, just being consistent and kind of finding your lane and really sticking to it. So what are kind of the highlights of when you were just selling online? Because I know you've sold to Emma Chamberlain, right? Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Actually. So tell me about that. What was that like? And what are kind of those highlights of when you were just selling online? Yeah, that was definitely a high point for me. It definitely kind of gave me confidence knowing like this is an actual career path more than just a right. side job. Seeing somebody with such social influence taking like my business seriously essentially she's placed several orders with us actually it's kind of cool and she's even posted us on instagram like the stuff she's worn yeah and i'm sure there's like virality that comes from that like more people find you and and it kind of grows from there so i'm thinking back to like the first time i met you at that first pop-up and your style then i feel like was consistent with your depop and it's even consistent with what you've curated here in the shop. So tell me about your style. How, how do you describe your style to people? Um, everything I buy in my store is stuff that I would wear or style or see somebody else wearing. I would kind of describe it as if I had to use one phrase, like statement pieces, like everyday cool. pieces that are definitely like bold. One thing that I think is cool about your page and your shop is like, you really seem to run the gamut as far as like decades. Like I feel like you have, Thank you. I tr- love that. you have true vintage, Yeah. you have, um, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, and then even like into the Y2K thing. Right. I think that's really cool because so much of the vintage space is like eighties, nineties pop mm-hmm. culture. And I've gotten into antiquing a lot. Yeah. So that's really cool, especially to be, as young as you are to kind of have the appreciation for (laughs) those older pieces. And I can tell that like, that's something that you, you really take pride in. So, um, another thing that I know about your shop here is that you are very good at styling people. And at least I see that on Instagram. It seems like you're kind of known for that. Yeah, uh, I'd say so. So how important is that to you? Like being able to style someone who walks in, what is that process like? What are the things that kind of go through your head when someone walks in the shop? So with what I said about kind of our style here is a lot of statement pieces, a lot of really bold things. So yeah, if somebody will fall in love with a piece, but then think, okay, but how do I wear this on a day-to-day basis? So that's kind of where we get involved to try to build it with other basic pieces or other vintage pieces in general just to show that you can have a normal day-to-day outfit. doesn't have to be a costumey vintage. So we do a lot of personal styling for people that are just trying to rebuild their wardrobes, people that have an event. Since not everybody is exactly familiar with like the fashion history of it, like what specifically they would have worn in an era. So talk to me about the future for Deep Dive Vintage. So I think that we're definitely trying to lean into like more everyday like essentials, I'm trying to make it more known that, yeah, secondhand shopping is something that's sustainable and we should do every day, but it's also still trendy. It's still the same pieces. Like the styles that are coming out now, these modern clothes, it's the same styles as the vintage clothes that we have here. It's cool that you're kind of educating people on like, there's an alternative to that that is, it's authentic. Like instead of having like a denim jacket that 
looks washed and faded. Like you actually can actually is. have one that right. is. And on top of that, it's more sustainable, right? You're not creating a new uh, piece of clothing. Tell me about your sourcing. Do you prefer sourcing in person? Do you like sourcing online? What does that process look like for you? So I source, I'd say 99% of this with my own hands. I go out to mostly, I do thrift stores, the outlets and something like that. I'll head to state sales every once in a while. Um, I don't have anybody else that does sourcing for me or anything like that. I generally don't buy from the public. So 99% of this is stuff I've found out in the nature. Um, I do like online sometimes, you know, wholesale when it's a good deal, but I like to know where each piece kind of came from so I can kind of have a story to go with it Yeah, when I sell it to the customer to make it just a little bit more personal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, you can buy bulk online, but yeah. but you don't have that same story. Yeah, it's it, not it, it might take a little longer to go to an estate sale or a garage sale and find something. Right. But with each piece, you kind of have some backstory to it. It's also to connect with the customer too. Whoever you're selling it to, you know, they they can carry that with them as well. And even when they pass it on to somebody else. That really speaks to sustainability because you're kind of threading that story through. And then, like you said, they might be encouraged to pass it on when they're done with it. Right. Because they've seen that it's kind of made its way to them. Yeah. So I think that story is really a big part of of selling sustainable clothing. Definitely. It kind of makes the clothes like almost like person like. Kind yeah. of gives them like unique characteristics. Yeah, that's that really way. cool. <laughs> so what's your favorite piece that you've ever sold? I'm really big into the early 80s, late 70s, like punk movement, like the old Vivian Westwood and oh, Betsy cool. Johnson stuff. Yeah. So I had an early 80s, uh, the, the black punk label Betsy Johnson dress Wow, that I found. I was so proud of it. <laughs> That's a crazy find. Yeah, I loved that dress so much. But did you sell gone. it in person or was I that? Did, like, wow, yeah. that's I'd really cool. Would much rather see it go to somebody that I can meet and see it, like kind of put a face to the clothing yeah. piece. So, so when I get good pieces like that, I won't really put them online because <laughs> yeah, I'd rather sure. wait and like connect with the person about it. Make like, sure it's kind of going to a good right? home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm that way too. With there's certain pieces that I hold on to for a little bit and then I let them go, and then those those pieces, I'm more hesitant to want to just flip them quickly online. Yeah. Like I'd rather sell them at a, at a pop-up where I can like meet the person. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, exactly. Cause they, you do kind of gain a like sentimental. Yeah. It's like a uh, trophy know, almost. Yeah. There's an attachment there that you <laughs> kind of sure. want to make sure it's carried on there. What's something that you are currently looking for? Like, is there a specific piece or specific styles that you're like always trying to find? So to keep in stock at my store, I'm definitely always trying to find my, my favorite pieces to sell are like the 60s and 70s polyester pieces, no matter what it is, dresses, pantsuits, pants, bell bottoms. That's my favorite thing to source. But for me personally, I'm always looking for like 1950s and earlier pieces. Like right now, I really want a Hanes windshield hoodie so bad. But they're <laughs> like $500, like the 1950s ones. I want to find one of my own, but you know, it's going to take 10 years. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's cool. So are you much of a collector or do you see yourself more as a seller? That's a tough question. I guess it would depend on what it is. Right. Um, I do collect a lot of home goods stuff. Like I have a lot of niche specific things that I collect for like home decor stuff. 
I have a lot of like antique lingerie and like Woodstock era pieces. Oh wow. Those are like my like my favorite kind of clothes like to collect, but mostly right. if it doesn't fit me, I'll give it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like I've got like one little lane of things that I like. Yeah. But it's very specific and anything else, I'm just I'd rather have I'd rather like pass it on and right, somebody that else get money in return and like use yeah. that money to reinvest back into the business. And like, I'd see that as more valuable than like holding on to something that I'm not going to wear. I used to be really bad about just collecting pieces. Like, especially I have this one brand lip service. It's like uh-huh. a nineties, like hot topic ish brand, but I used to hold on to every piece no matter what size it was. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I got to <laughs> give these people their clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard sometimes. Like, well, anybody that's going to resell clothing, you have to start with a deep appreciation for it. For sure. And so everyone who's doing it is a collector to some extent. Like you said, it's a little bit of both. Like right. we all have those, those pieces that we want to find. Yeah. And um, <laughs> those ones you'll never find too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think everyone who does this is also an entrepreneur. You know, they have that business mind of like, well, I can make money off of this. Yeah. So I think it is like, it's kind of a balance for everybody. I think it's a war in every reseller's head. It's like, do I keep this? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) What's your pet peeve? Like, do you have any pet peeves with like the state of vintage or kind of like the community? I feel like it's a very controversial question. <laughs> it could be, sure, yeah. <laughs> I think one of my least controversial opinions when it comes to vintage is when people claim something's vintage knowing that it's not. Oh, yeah. Like, it'll clearly have a year on the tag, or it'll be something completely new era, and they're like, vintage, <laughs> vintage 2016. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see that on Depop and Grailed and some of the, like, platforms that yeah. are becoming more popular with it's more so younger sellers yeah there's some that genuinely don't know right but i think there are some that just kind of use the keyword <laughs> you know like they definitely spam tag yeah they're just spamming it to kind of get that that search result and that's really dishonest and i right. i'm not a fan of that for sure or even have you ever seen people go so far as to cut the tags out of the clothes oh yeah that that's that a crazy one, one that one gets me yeah i've seen that too like they'll take like a modern reprint of a t-shirt and then just like pull the tag tag out and be like, Oh no, no tag, you know, (laughs) no uh, size tag, but fits large. And you're like, what? (laughs) You can always tell the, like the fabric material, the feeling screen print, even like you can tell. Yeah, that's true. Anyone says. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a responsibility for collectors and sellers to, do the work and like learning what how oh, things yeah. feel like a lot of it is about like you said the feel of it and um absolutely anyone who has done this for any amount of time can tell if they if they oh yeah if, if they try without even without a tag like you can start to identify okay this is modern this is vintage right. I think you can kind of start to draw those lines the more you do it. I kind of have a rule with here, the stuff I source, like if I can't date it within like 10 years, like a definite answer, then I won't pick it up. Yeah. If I can't for sure be sure that it's vintage, like I won't pick it up. T-shirts are kind of easy because it's such a simple (laughs) silhouette and like you can kind of look at the stitching, but I'm sure once you get in the weeds of dresses and track suits and skirts it's like (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot more it's a lot harder to kind of pin that down sometimes yeah 
So are there any um, events that you've got coming up that you want to make us aware of? So I have our pop-ups that we're doing like bi-monthly. We do pop-ups here in the shop that are all women-owned businesses, um, vintage clothes, jewelry, stuff like that. We also are starting to work on a new project that I'm really excited about. I'm about to announce it officially, but we're going to be doing a fashion show with um, nearly a dozen models. We have a few photographers. We'll have it be open to the public, and then we'll drop the collections afterwards so everybody will be able to actually shop the outfits. Wow, that's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend that's going to be working on jewelry. Her name is Anna. She's going to make special collections for the each like outfit that we have too so we'll have handmade jewelry to go with all the outfits i'm really excited i've already started working on it but it's not till march wow well that's really cool i think that's good for anyone listening that's kind of trying to set themselves apart in vintage which can kind of be a crowded space like definitely think about how you can showcase your inventory in a new light right anyone can take a flat lay picture or a modeled picture and post the item for sale. But I think it's like a different level when you start to think about how can I showcase these pieces? How can I educate people on, like we've said, the history of the piece, how to put certain pieces together to create a look. Right. It's it's a step further than just selling items one by one online. You know? Yeah, like I was talking about earlier, I think that especially with women's fashion, there's kind of a misconception that's kind of costumey or you're dressing up to be that decade. Like it's right. more of a dress up thing. But the outfits that I'm putting together for our fashion show, it's stuff that I would wear out to lunch every day to work. I think it's important to show people that your entire wardrobe can be vintage and it yeah. doesn't necessarily need to look like you're dressing up. Like it's, it's just still casual day wear, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point because I think, I know I have buyers that like they might have one or two vintage pieces, but you can really make it a lifestyle. <laughs> you know, you can, oh, yeah, you can have sure. essential pieces that you wear every day. Not every vintage item has to be like a, piece like right you can get those basics yeah still vintage they're probably arguably better quality still yeah made made in the u.s you know all that good old-fashioned usa (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean some of my favorite pieces in my closet are just like blank single stitch t-shirts you know or just like a a t-shirt with like just a random print that's not like a super hype thing that everyone's looking for that i found in $5 bins or whatever at an event. It's nothing like crazy, but it fits well or it, you know, it's easy to match with other things. So I think that's really important. Like you were saying, the fit, I feel like it's also with vintage, it can be so tailored to your body because the clothing sizes are different. I think people are kind of quick to give up, think, oh, well, you can't find my size. The bodies were different then. Yeah. But you can still find clothes. I mean, we carry up to a triple X. So that's also. Yeah. I've noticed that you are very inclusive (laughs) with sizes. And I think that that's really important. And um, that's a conversation that is not (laughs) had enough. But I agree. But you're right. I mean, clothes were made smaller in the 70s than they are today oh yeah and smaller and also they've shrunk a lot of them have shrunk up over time so if you've got a even if you have an xl t-shirt from the 70s it might fit more like a medium now because it's a combination of they were made smaller but then also 
they wore them cotton shrinks over time and and it yeah people wore things differently yeah like i've owned crop tops that are like clearly men's shirts that i know were probably worn by a man but yeah that's not that style you know it's it's kind of working its way back in but it's not like mainstream yet so (laughs) (laughs) so it's interesting how there is a little bit of a disparity between sizes you know it is harder to find plus size clothing but it, it is out there like you said I think we as resellers have at least some responsibility to to find those pieces and to make sure right. that they're kind of put back into the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, if we're not picking them up, it's, I mean, the chances of somebody finding their exact size, you know, like when we go thrifting for our stores, uh-huh. most of those pieces go to the store. I mean, yeah. they don't go to, uh, most of them don't fit us. So I think even the chances of somebody picking it up and that being their size, I mean, it is definitely reseller's responsibility to get those pieces back in, especially knowing that it's just such a rarity to find those plus yeah. size pieces. And we can do it too, because we've kind of carved our lives out for managing the space of having yeah. all that inventory. We've kind of made our lives so that we have time to spend at the thrift store, yeah, right? Like it's part no of our our day to day to spend the time where a casual vintage buyer, they're not spending every day in the thrift store. They're not keeping rooms full of clothing yeah, not on hand. tons of clothing. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I think we kind of have that responsibility yeah. to our people because that's what we do, right? Like we do the work that not everyone else has the time or space <laughs> to right. do. So I think it's also important to keep the vintage community as inclusive as possible. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> kind of wrapping up a little bit, do you have any words of wisdom either for someone trying to start their own business or just life advice in general? I would say don't rush anything. Don't feel like you are on a time crunch and you need to figure out where you're going or what you need to be doing. What I was telling how I started reselling, I mean, this was never my intentions. I'm obviously grateful that I'm here and it's amazing and I love it, but never in a million years when I started reselling as a side hustle did I expect it to become my career, you know? Right. So I would say kind of keep your eyes open to any opportunities that you have. And don't ever think you're too young to do something. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) I think you're living proof of that. You know, we've talked about it, but you got into this game really young and opened up a storefront. 21. Yeah, (laughs) I would think you're definitely the... the youngest in the area. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're a good example of that. But also I think it's wise what you said. Don't rush it either because I think it is overwhelming. And sometimes I have 2,500 ideas of like things that I could do. (laughs) I'm sure you can relate. Like there's so many, (laughs) there's so many good ideas and so many things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. But there's only so much time in the day <laughs> yeah. and you just kind of have to start somewhere and I can sometimes let myself get overwhelmed by it and then I don't end up doing anything. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you just have to take it one step at a time, focus on one project at a time <laughs> and just kind of keep going. Well, Lauren, uh, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, how can we keep up with you online? Yeah, so we're on Instagram and Facebook. We have Depop too. If you want to look through some of our inventory, our Depop's at deepdive underscore VTG. And then our Instagram is at deepdive underscore vintage. And then Facebook is just 
in deep dive vintage. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Canned Heat. Okay, so the way I see it, there are three levels of further support that you can give to our show if you enjoy what we're doing. And considering you made it this far, I'm assuming that you do. First, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. This is the best way to make sure you don't miss an episode. The second level is to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. If you've got a few extra minutes, you can even write us a review on Apple. Lastly, you can tell a friend about our show. If you found something helpful from a specific episode, why not share it on your Instagram story for others to gain that knowledge too? Each of these three methods is going to help us grow in the algorithms of these podcast apps, so thank you in advance. Know someone who would be great at telling the story behind their sustainable business? Feel free to hit me up at Slater Thrifts on IG. You can follow the podcast at Canned Heat Pod on Instagram. Well, that's our show. I'm Michael Slater. Don't forget to wash cold and hang dry.